Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Listen, uh, really excited about uh, this sermon series we're in. It's the year of the Bible. And uh, the heart of it was we, we realized that there are plenty of Bibles available, but the issue in many of our lives is we're not familiar with what's in the Bible. And so we wanted to take a year and us as a church go through, there's around 50 major events throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to be reading the same thing throughout the week. We're gonna be in devotion together and it's in the, the Version app and you can go, you type in Year of the Bible and you see our logo. Every month we're going to release a new, um, a new plan. So you go there now, Version. You're the Bible, and you, you um, click on part two, and so you can continue to journey with us in April. Hey, how many have enjoyed doing this with your family and in your own life? Great, great. As I told you before, I get a list of who subscribes and who doesn't and who keeps up with the reading plan. So just kidding. That's, that would just be terrible, wouldn't it? Um, anyway, a couple of things. So really excited about that. A couple announcements before we get going today. Um, we have laughed your way to a better I was going to say wedding. It could be wedding. Marriage. But it's coming up, and uh, we have the, the flyer that's out. You can stop by the information counter. We believe in, in marriage. We believe in marriage. We believe as a church that we sh- should be equipping one another to grow in our marriage. It's the most, if you're married, it's the most important relationship you have outside of your relationship with God. And what, what the, the reality is this, we, we prepare for everything else in life and we get help and everything else while we're going through it, except our marriage. We just go, well, I guess we just gotta just figure this thing out. Listen, come, let God move in your life, work in your life. Cheryl and I are excited to, to be doing this. She's really excited that I'm coming because she knows I need a lot of help. And, uh, but anyway, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna go on this journey together. So let me encourage you, even if you can, you can just come for just the evening or the, the Friday or the Saturday, it's worth it. God will honor you setting time aside to do that. And then everybody, hey, listen, Easter's coming, right? Come on, Easter's coming. With, without what we are celebrating on Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, what's the point? Paul said, if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, then let's throw in the towel and uh, let's just go do something else. But the reality is he did, and he's alive today. And so this is such a special Sunday. So we're going to be having our Good Friday service, which you've heard about, or our Easter service, which is one service. Everybody say one service at 10 a.m. So we're going to gather here, and we, we have two different services. And we've been doing that. Um, <clears throat> we want to combine them so we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus together. And so we just believe God wants us to step into a new season of, of coming together and worshiping. And so really excited about that. And so with that, also want to just let you know that we, we have really prayed about and decided that we're, we're going to go to a one-service model on Sundays from Easter on forward, just so we can really seek God together. We can be, we're really like two congregations. And so because God's blessed us with this big room, we can all come together and worship together and seek God together, allow his spirit to move in our midst together and have time to respond to the, to whatever the spirit's saying. So that beginning on Easter, we are going to have one service at 10 a.m. moving forward. And before, if you're serving, we're going to have a pre-service with all those who are volunteering within the church right here. Pastor Nathan's going to lead worship. I'm going to share a message. We're all going to pray together as all 
the volunteers that are volunteering, serving on Sunday morning. We're going to meet and do a powwow in here and pray for one another. And then we're going to go and serve you. And so it's going to be lots of fun. And so you'll hear more information about that. Everybody say, I got it, Jason. All right. So here's the deal. Easter is coming. Now, Easter, I'm going to challenge you. Bring somebody with you. Everybody say, amen. Don't say, oh, me. Say, amen. Bring somebody. The people in your life need Jesus. People in your life who maybe they're believers, they don't have a church, they need a church. Let me encourage you, take one of these cards out there and give it to somebody and invite them to come and worship with you on the resurrection Sunday that we celebrate. You, uh, listen, I'm asking you as your pastor, ask God who he wants you to invite, what families he wants you to invite. They are in your life for a reason. And so let me encourage you to invite them. Amen, amen. All right? That's it. That's the info commercial. We're moving on. All right. Two, the sermon today. What I'm sharing with you today has really been a spiritual awakening in my own life as I look at the world. How many here know that we live in a spiritual world, right? It's very easy to see that there is a spirit world that's happening. There are, there, there are two types of, of humans in this world. You have humans who, who are, who are living their lives to bring glory and honor to God through how they live their lives on the earth. And then there's also humans that have rebelled from God and really want to do anything that isn't, that, that anything that opposes God's godliness. And we see those two worlds, don't we, in our world. But what we forget is there is a spirit world. Everybody say spirit world. So there's a spirit world where those two sides exist. There are spiritual beings that are obedient to God to bring forth the glory of God and the purposes of God on the earth. And there are spiritual beings who have rebelled from God and are also partnering with the humans that don't want anything to do with God. And so they are trying to undo everything that God wants to be done on the earth. I hope you understand that. You wonder, you wonder why these agendas within our own schools are being pushed to our precious young children to indoctrinate them and sexualize them and, and confuse them sexually and, and do things that are this absolutely bizarre what's being taught in our schools. Why? It's because it's fueled by these dark forces that want to unwind everything that God established out of Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Amen? So we are, I guess, at war, is what you would say. So today I want to share with you something that will give you a, a new perspective on what's really happening. So we have the opposition of humans against God's plan and the spirits, the spirit world against God's plan. And then we have the humans, those serving Jesus to move forward in their relationship with God to bring the glory of God and the spirit world. But today I'm sharing with you something that's been a real spiritual awakening in my life and some concepts that were introduced to me by my professor, Cheryl Knight's professor, um, Van Gill, also an author and a biblical scholar, Dr. Mike, Michael Heiser. It's very important that, that we, these ideas have not just come on the, the, the scene. They, they've been around for a long time. So some of the things I'm going to share with you today, you're like, I've, I've never heard that. And I'm talking about the spirit realm, that what's really going on. And so as we journey through the Bible, we're going to, we're going to see that, that God has created a plan for mankind. We're going to see that, that God has a purpose and there are forces in direct opposition to him. 
And so today I want to share with you as we're entering this text and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 11 today. And so the purpose of this is we've read that this week. And so I wanted to share with you, and this is probably one of the most well-known biblical texts, it's the Tower of Babel. And so I want us to understand the biblical theological foundation of really what the rest of the Bible is all about from this point, from Genesis chapter 11. This is a big deal, and many times we miss it. It's going to help us understand what's really going on in the world. Things in the world are not happening on accident. They are strategic. And I want you to have the right spiritual world view. And I want to invite you into what God is doing on a supernatural level on the earth. You do know that we serve a supernatural God. We do, you, I hope you know that we serve a God that's not bound to the realm of this world. He is super above it. He's supernatural. And so I want you to be aware of that. No one would argue that there is, that there is a, um, a very clear message within Scripture that God created heavenly hosts, what many times the Scripture calls, or angelic beings to assist him for the purpose of ruling and carrying out his will and his purpose on the earth. We know that. We've seen that. God created his family, angels, and he created a hierarchy, which Paul speaks of, the principalities and powers and rulers. There are different levels. And so we don't know all the details because that's not always our realm, but Scripture speaks to it. And so what we know is this, is that God created heavenly hosts, and then earthly hosts, which are human, and they intersected. And we see that intersection at the Garden of Eden. We see it for the first time. You have Satan, which we've, uh, we've spoken of over the last several weeks. Satan tempted mankind. And so humankind that was in the garden, they were to take care of it, but they rebelled from God. And so here we have at the garden, even after the fall of man, God set into place a plan. A plan in partnership with his heavenly host and earthly human host and his creation and his family to still carry out the purposes on the earth, to steward creation, to expand the idea of Eden, telling people about God, about he wants a relationship with you, about we are, this is our planet that God has given us to take care of, meaning to bring forth the kingdom of God on it. And so we're to expand the knowledge of God. Now hang with me just for a moment and I want us to lean into this. Often though, there is this idea of a spirit world that's overlooked. That we live in a world of humans, yes, but we also live in a world of spiritual beings. It's the truth. And just like many human beings, those spirit beings are opposed to God's rule, which I've, I've already shared about. But there's another side of the coin. Though those evil forces and evil humans work together to tear down God's purposes, the other side of the coin is there are godly humans following Jesus. And there are, there are spiritual beings who partner with us to bring forth the kingdom of God. And here's the good thing. Our God has won the victory, and so we move forward with authority and power. The dark humans do not. Amen? 
but together with God and his spiritual forces, which we find in scripture, we are to implement, we are to expand, we are to cultivate all that is pleasing to God, which is a really big idea because everything you do then has a spiritual consequence. How you lead your family, how you love other people, every act of kindness, when you walk into work every day, you were there as an agent of God to bring the kingdom of God, empowered by the spirit of God, assisted by the spiritual beings that are with you. You need to know that. And so, many times we miss this spiritual world and I want you, I want you to leave today with something that's gonna help you understand all the rest of the Old Testament. This is foundational. This is the backdrop, actually, of the Old Testament. And so our text today, Genesis 11, but just to rewind, mankind rebels in the garden. God gives a promise he'll do something that will crush the head of Satan. From the garden, God tells Adam and Eve, I still want you to do what I created you to do. Their relationship with him, with God, and each other actually was negatively altered, but he still desires for them to move forward. Mankind is so deeply corrupted, though, in this journey out of, we see it in Genesis 6, by sin and, and the rebellious angelic beings. God is deeply grieved. He's hurt. And now he brings a flood, which Pastor Mark spoke about last week. He brings a flood to wipe out the irreversible, corrupted humanity. He doesn't give up on us. He chooses Noah to begin again. Noah and his sons and wives are given the same command as Adam and Eve is be fruitful and multiply. But instead of inhabiting the earth and, and establishing what God created them to do, and this is where we get to our text today, instead of bearing his image, instead of spreading the knowledge of God to the world, they decided to gather in one place, and it was Babel. And they build a tower that brings God to them, not for his glory, but for their glory. And so we come to Genesis 11 and we begin to read Genesis 11 verses one through nine. Now the whole earth had one language, the same words, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us, so he's, he's saying, let us, these are these angelic beings, let us go down and confuse their language, and so they may not understand one another's speech, so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face 
of the earth. So in the wake of Babel's humanity, humanity is dispersed over the face of the earth. Up to this point, God had been working with humanity. But again, God and his purpose for them, they, they rejected him. They said, we don't want you. Instead of them spreading the good rule and the good purpose of God, restoring Eden and, and being obedient to God, they said, no, we want to do it our way. We want you to conform to our way. We want you to, we're going to build a, a temple, and, and when we want you to come, you can come and be in this temple. And so God knows they're going to continue to do this. Again, he's rejected by his creation. He's rejected by, they said, I, I don't want to fulfill your purpose. And so God's frustrated. He's hurt. He says, okay, you don't want me. You don't want me, my, your creator. You don't want my ways. I don't want to live out. You, you don't want to live out my created purpose for you. And so he turns them over to their wishes. Much like Paul says in Romans 1, that God turned the um, people over to their sinful desires. He's, okay, fine. If that's what you want. And so God allowed them to choose, which is this continual theme throughout the Bible. But God allowed them to choose. You can have what you want for your inheritance. I have an inheritance for you. But if this is what you want, you want to choose your own inheritance and just do your own thing. Okay. And so again, humanity chose, we want what we want. We don't want you, God. We want what we want. And what many people don't connect from this passage is that Moses wrote later in Deuteronomy because there's a lots of thoughts and ideas around the Tower of Babel and how it all happened. But again, this is a, it's a little different message today, but it's so important you understand this as we continue in the Old Testament. But Moses connected the dots in Deuteronomy and he gives us more detail of what happened at Babel and what's really going on in our world today. Deuteronomy 32 says, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance. Where did that happen? It happened in Genesis 11. When he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Now remember, God said, let us go down and confuse their languages. But at, at some point, and we don't know all the details, he... he um, he divided the borders or the nations. He created nations according to the number of the sons of God. Interesting. This is something that people really miss, but a Hebrew reader of the scriptures would totally understand what's going on here. So, but this language, the sons of God, and some Bibles is translated a little differently. Um, it, this language, it's in the Dead Sea Scrolls. A later text says the sons of Israel, but that cannot be because Israel didn't exist yet. It didn't exist in biblical history until after the Tower of Babel. And so, this is what the scripture says here. So what is happening here? So if Moses is referring to Genesis 11 of the Tower of Babel, which we are, we're reading, we're in that portion of scripture now. What he's referencing here is is the details, a little bit more detail of what's happening. Now, Moses wrote Genesis 11, and he writes this with more description in Deuteronomy 32, but this is the context and the world after the Tower of Babel. The nations were assigned to an angelic being to rule over them. 
They were assigned. That's what the scripture says. And so this is the world that's happening. So they rejected God and God said, okay, I'm going to assign you to a lesser, powerful, created being that I made and have them serve you. So the sons of God, the divine heavenly beings created by God who were assigned to other nations, they were assigned to the nations, they're still to be obedient to God, to carry out God's purposes on the nations, to take care of people on God's behalf. Deuteronomy 32 in that same passage says this, rejoice with him, meaning Yahweh or God, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods. So you are to do my will. God's saying you are to do my will in the nations of the world. So in essence, God says, listen, because I still love you, humanity, I'm just not going to turn you loose. I know you want your inheritance. I'm just not going to turn you loose. I'm going to place you under my other created angelic beings, lesser than me, but I'm going to turn you over and, and have them carry out my will. And so that, this idea is very important. It's the backdrop of the Old Testament. And so now God says, I want you though to carry out my will for the people because I still love them. I want you to watch over them on my behalf. Now I want you to catch this, catch this. I want you to administer justice on my behalf. They don't want me, but I love them too much to turn them loose. I want you to punish the wicked. I want you to protect the innocent from the, from the wicked. I want you to take care of the weak. I want you to take care of the fatherless. I want, the, I want you to take care of the needy. So this is what happened at the Tower of Babel, but something happened in those angelic beings. Now listen, this is, this is a, an idea that has been it's been under the surface, but it, is, it has been absolutely believed. You speak to a Jewish scholar, they would absolutely understand this. But something happened as they were, those angelic beings were serving the nations. And you, you, the light bulb will go off in just a moment. You'll get it. Hang tight. They rebelled against God. They rebelled against doing what they were supposed to do for the nation. So again, God subjects himself to the free will, not only of humans, but of angelic beings that he created to do his purposes. And so how do I know this? Well, David prophetically speaks of this in Psalm 82. And listen to what David writes. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. So there is some spiritual world that's happening and he's taking his place, his divine counsel, basically those he created to carry out his will and purposes on the earth for his purpose. And then he says this, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And then it goes on to say, David writes, they have neither knowledge nor understanding. In other words, listen, angelic beings or sons of God or little gods or whatever you want to call them, you're supposed to teach them about me. You're supposed to point them to me. You're supposed to help them on my behalf. You're supposed to help them understand their purpose and their understanding and their knowledge of why they were created. They were my image bearers on the earth and you didn't do it. And now they're floundering and they're lost. They have no understanding. So this, David continues to write, 
They, meaning the people of the earth, walk now abound in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are God's sons of the most high, all of you. Now, he wasn't speaking to humans. He's speaking to those who were, the nations were assigned to them as the sons of God. Nevertheless, nevertheless, though you are angelic beings, now, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. So God, this is a judgment that's coming. And then it goes on, it says, arise, O God, judge the earth. Now look, for you shall inherit all the nations. So there is a plan going on for God to inherit the nations. They were disinherited. He gave them what they wanted. But, but there is a plan. You see it here that God is going to inherit all the nations. Now pack back to the Tower of Babel. You guys still with me today? Are you sure? All right. Back to the Tower of Babel. So God gives humanity their inheritance. He divides the people on the earth geographically and by language. He creates nations and then he assigns them or each nation to the divine angelic beings, the sons of God. Then those divine beings set over the nations to serve the people. What happens is they become rivals against their creator God, not his servants, but his rivals. Instead of Instead of teaching or helping the people, serving the people to give honor and worship to God, they then allow them to give honor and worship to them. And so at this point, how then will God reinherit the nations? How will he save humanity? This is a real question. And this is the backdrop of all of the Old Testament that we're, 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 we're beginning to, to lean into. But we begin to see his plan. And we see the plan in Deuteronomy 32 where Moses was explaining what happened. Verse 9 says this, so after the Lord divided them, the angels rebelled. And then verse 9 says this, but the Lord. Everybody say, but the Lord. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, meaning Israel, his allotted heritage. So God chooses God chooses a people of his own. Just like he assigned the nations to the sons of God, he says, but I'm going to take my own people. So as the nations are assigned to these lesser beings, God still is faithfully, and this is what I want you to see, faithfully working his plan on the earth to restore mankind back to Eden relationship with him. And so he chooses, he marks his own people his own nation in which he will define the borders of just like he did with the other nations at Genesis 11. And this is his, scripture says, his allotted heritage. He said, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Okay, the rest of the people, you don't want me, that's fine. I'm taking, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna choose for myself my own people. And so, this is his heritage. This is his inheritance. He creates a land that he's, he marks with his own name and a people that are marked with his own name. And so right on the heels of the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel debacle, I want you to catch this. God chooses a man named Abraham. Genesis 11, Tower of Babel. Genesis 12, the call of Abraham. 
But, but don't miss this. He chooses Abraham for a purpose. Everybody say a purpose. Many times people stop short. They don't understand that there's a purpose. And so Genesis 12, we're all familiar with this. You guys still with me today? Say, I'm with you, Jason. All right, Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country. Now remember, this is God choosing his people, choosing his portion that Moses spoke of in Deuteronomy. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. In other words, I'm taking you to the place that I've picked for you. Now look at this. And in you, everybody say in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is a, a little of a, a, a silhouette of actually what God's up to. He still has in mind all the nations of the world. Well, he just disinherited them. He did. But he has chosen for himself his own people to preserve this people so he can work his plan to restore all the nations, all the people back to himself. And so the, he calls Abraham and we see God's bigger plan for this allotted portion that all the families are blessed. So the purpose of choosing Abraham was for this, that all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Everybody say blessed. I knew it would be quiet today, so I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to read you guys. We're trying to. Everybody say blessed. So he chose Abraham so that all the nations somehow could be blessed. This is the backdrop of the Old Testament. So God calls Abraham, and we'll fast forward a little bit, and later he has a son named Jacob. And God changes Jacob's name to Israel. And I want you to see this, that of the spiritual world that you and I live in today, that as we lean into the Old Testament, you're going to see that this is the backdrop of all of the Old Testament, but it's pointing to something greater than Abraham. It's pointing to something greater than the borders of the nation. But in the Old Testament, that's why it is Israel against the nations and all the other nations against Israel. If you've ever wondered why the hostility has nothing to do, yes, it's the covenant, it's the promise, but you don't understand that, that all the spiritual beings that, are, that have been assigned after they rebelled to God, they hated this people group that belonged to God and God only. So they were coming after them. And so this, the hostility towards Israel in the Old Testament, this is the reason. And so this was nation against Israel, Israel against the nations. It, it is, it is the, the other gods, the little G's that rebelled from God against God above all gods. Now, why didn't God just wipe off these spiritual beings? Because he is bound to his word and he gives Humanity and angelic beings, free will. If not, we would just be robots. We'd be like, pro you can program us like a computer, do this. It's not a relationship. So he subjected himself to the free will of heavenly beings and human beings. And so this, the rebellious angelic sons of God we see, as we continue to read in the Old Testament, always trying to seduce God's portion, 
Israel away from God himself. Very important that you see that. This, there's a seduction of the other nations against God's chosen portion. We also see it today in our own lives, don't we? There's a seduction. There's a seduction to try to seduce you away from the God that has saved you, from the God that has, that has called you. All these things that we see in our world today are not coincidental. They are, they are still the strategy of the, the, what we will call the demonic realm to seduce you away from God's purpose in your life. And we see it also in the Old Testament. And this is why, the, as they were trying to seduce Israel, and, and we even see parts of this, this is why God gives clear instructions to Israel. Listen to what, what God says in Deuteronomy 17, to his portion and his portion only. He says, if there is found among you with any, within any of your towns that the Lord your God has given you, a man or a woman who does, who does what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God in transgression, his covenant, and has gone and served other gods and worshiped them or the sun, or the moon, or any of the hosts of heaven, which I have forbidden. Now, he was, he was given a consequence to this, but look what he says. So, God says there are other gods, and you can worship them. There are, there, there are these angelic beings that were maybe even a part of creation. Sun, or moon, or, or the host of heaven, if you worship any of them. See, when you read host of heaven, you think, well, that's good. That's not good here. He says, I've, I forbid it. You're to worship me and me only. So as we continue to read in the Old Testament, the preservation of God's people, God's portion, is of utmost importance, not just because he loves his people, because he is working a bigger picture to re-inherit re all the nations of the world. God is working his plan. When he calls Abraham, he's working his plan. They don't know about it. The demonic realm didn't know about it because later in scripture it says that if they would have known if the demonic realm would have known that crucifying Jesus was actually going to be their defeat, they, they would have never done it. So God's working a secret plan, but he knows what he's doing. Amen? And so he is working his plan to undo the chokehold of the other gods in humanity, in the nations. And we begin to see the release of that chokehold on the nations when God's son, Jesus, shows up. And Jesus shows up in the lineage of who? Well, this Abraham guy that God just called right after the Tower of Babel. Jesus shows up in the lineage of God's protected portion, Israel, the Jews, the seed of Abraham. And so we see even more evident when Jesus dies and raises from the dead and the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, all of a sudden we see that chokehold of the nations being released by those demonic powers because now those who carry the gospel have full authority over those spiritual beings. 
and, the, and you undo the chokehold of the nations. You, we undo the chokehold of our nation, of our city, of your family, not through good works, but through the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is what breaks off the stronghold. It's what, when someone gives their life to Jesus, they are re-inherited where? To the root, who's the root? It is Jesus, it is Abraham. The root of what? The root of God's people. So, when Jesus raises from the dead, the church is started and the church is started with the Jews. It's not started with the Gentiles. It's not started with the other nations. It makes sense that God would then bring his solution to the Jews and they could receive it first, and they did. That's why Paul, even Hebrew says that the old covenant is obsolete. Now that Christ is here, it's obsolete. In other words, it was a part of protecting these portion of people to get them non-corrupted, to put consequences for worshiping other gods, felt harsh at times. Why, why, why would God say to Israel, wipe out this whole people group? I thought he was loving, he was kind. He is. And he had to remove them and wipe them out to protect his portion because he was working a greater plan to redeem all of humanity, all of the nations back to himself. He was on a mission. And you gotta see it that way. And so we see God purposely moving forward to reclaim the nations through the gospel now of Jesus Christ. And so now on this side of the cross, thank God, or this side of the cross, the advancement of the kingdom of God, the reinheriting of the nations is up to those who carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's up to those who've been empowered and been re-inherited as a Gentile back into God's blessing and God's family. That's why Paul says now, everybody say now, now there is no Jew or Gentile. Now you are family of God because you put your trust in Jesus or you're not if you haven't. But now there is no, not now all people can come and be in part of God's family through their faith in Jesus. But this is what I want us to understand that those, as I've already said it, those who carry the gospel have been, in, have been given the authority. Somebody say, I have authority. So you have been given the authority. Hope you understand this. To undo the spiritual prison the people of the nations are in. You have been given the authority to undo the spiritual prison of the people in your family and the people in your community and the people in your neighborhood and the people in this city and the people of the nations of the world. It's you now are to go. As Jesus told the disciples from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the what? The ends of the earth. In other words, Jesus is like, I'm getting what belongs to me. So this is the blessing. Everybody say the blessing. This is the blessing to the nations. 
The blessing is the gospel. It's not a people. It's not the Jews. It's not the land. It's Jesus. And it's the gospel. Galatians 3.16 says this, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Now, look at this. Scripture does not say, and to seeds. Read that with me. Scripture does not say, and to seeds. Meaning many people. But, and to your seed, meaning one person who is what? Who's Christ. So if you don't understand this worldview, you're you're, going to miss what God was doing with Abraham. You're going to miss what God was doing with the land. You're going to miss, you're going to miss it. It was all about, read this with me, all about what? One person who is Christ. And this is God initiating his plan to bring all the nations of the world back to himself and accomplish his rescue plan for humanity and for us. How many are thankful for a faithful God? Amen. And he used Israel, his portion, as the conduit in which God fulfills his promise to rescue humanity. Going back to the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, this is the effect And I'll close with this. Genesis 11 is the effect. Excuse me. Is the the cause of Genesis 10, which is the effect of the Tower of Babel. So Moses writing, and people get confused. They're like, well, Genesis 10 says this, then Tower of Babel. Well, Moses was just writing the effect first and then wrote the Tower of Babel in chapter 11. And most of the Bibles in Genesis 10 is labeled the table of the nations. And depending on how the ancient manuscript is translated, so after the Tower of Babel happened, they were were separated. There were, nations were developed. And then you see the the lineage in Genesis 10 of of Noah's children and and the nations, and they were, read it, it says they were all separated according to their language. So, as you look through all the, this, this is cool. I'll close this. This is really cool. As you look through all the details of Genesis 10, see all the different names. You know, like, that's a weird name, weird name. Yes, it's all weird names, but they're, they're nations. Depending on how you translate the ancient text, it's either there are 70 nations represented or 72 nations that were birthed from the Tower of Babel. Who were, they were, which they were corrupted further after that. But I want you to see what Jesus did that most people don't connect the dots. This is cool. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. So Jesus comes, he's a prophesied Messiah through the lineage of Abraham to be a blessing to the nations through his gospel. And so Jesus is ministering in Egypt and he calls some disciples. And it's interesting that the writer Luke goes out of his way to number them. Jesus specifically had to say, I want these many. And he got these many. So look at this, Luke 10 says, the Lord appointed 72 others, 72 others, and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself 
was about to go. Do you notice the number? If you notice the number, say, I see it. And to every town, every place. And he said to them, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Heal the sick. Heal the sick in each town and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. The one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So Jesus is telling this, the 72, everybody say 72, return with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And he's like, I know, because I gave you the authority over them. Because I'm sending you out to reclaim the 70 or 72 nations back to God through myself. That's your job. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names now are written in heaven. God's working his plan. And he sends out the 70. You, you think that was accidental? I don't think so. Jesus was shooting or giving his, his cannon shot over the bow of the nations and saying, I'm coming for you and I'm sending my people and you're gonna have the authority to go into the nations and to, and, and to now you can walk in and you, you, you are not subject underneath. Think about this. You are not subject underneath those demonic powers. They don't own you. I own you. You're my portion. Nobody owns you. I own you. You're mine. Now go and preach the gospel. So what the disciples did after the resurrection of Jesus, they got the heck out of Dodge. Yes, the gospel was preached exclusively in Israel for three years or three and a half years. The day of Pentecost is the beginning of, of the purposes of God. Because if you remember, the spirit fell and they began to speak with other tongues and you had these, these other Jews who had come from the other nations, right? They had come to, to, to celebrate Pentecost, which is the day that, that uh, God gave the law to Moses and he, he brought it down the mountain. That's what it's supposed to, it, it represents that. But they, they go, oh, these people drunk. I, what's going on? They're acting all weird, but they're speaking in my native tongue. So these Jews had come from the nations to come and worship at the temple. Now they say, they, how, how'd you do this? And what happened is at the day of Pentecost, the gospel was given. The proof of the tongues that were in another language confirmed to this other Jew who came from another place. That's my tongue. In other words, this, this, this message that Peter just preached, that's for me to take back to my people. That's for me to take back to my nation. But again, it was just to the Jews because they were Jewish. So then they went back to their temple and said, listen, I got to tell you, I, it's, it's done. It's been fulfilled. You know, the whole 70 thing in Genesis 10 and 11. And you know how Abraham was, I'm sure they didn't do that. But that's the whole idea that now the nations are to be re-inherited. 
It's no longer, it's no longer the nations against Israel. It is the people of God who put their faith in Jesus Christ. We are now servants to go and reach the nations of the world and tell them and break the stronghold and the yoke of the devil over their life and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to undo everything that Satan has done. But that's the backdrop of the Old Testament as you read through this. Friends, we live in a spiritual world. And so the final judgment for these demonic powers hasn't come yet, but it's coming. It's coming. That's why we are to be people on mission and purpose, to preach the gospel, to tell others about Jesus, so we can deliver them from the chokehold of the devil. That's our mission. May we go and take authority over every, every demonic power. You are not subject to that power because you do not belong to that power. You are the Lord's portion. He owns you. And now we go. So as we read these, these incredible passages, as you wonder, why would God do that? Keep this in the back of your mind. He's working his plan. They didn't know it, he did. And you see God's faithfulness. Why would, God, why would God be so faithful? Because he had the nations in mind. Why would he make a covenant to Abraham and then all of a sudden the, the people of, of, of Israel, they, start, they do start worshiping other gods. But listen, listen, scripture says, but there was always a remnant. There was always a remnant that was faithful to God. And so God just kept working his plan moving his plan to a place in Bethlehem to the birth of his, his son so that he could come through those, that people group that had been not corrupted by the demonic realm and then Jesus could bring salvation to the nations. It's beautiful. And now that's what he calls us to do. We live in a spiritual world. I want you to be aware that we are in a battle so what you allow your, your children to be a part of, what you allow your, your, your life to listen to, to entertain, to watch, to be a part of, remember there is a, a grand seduction that's happening in our world. And that is to seduce you away from God's purpose. From the very foundation of gender, from the very foundation of marriage, from the very foundation of justice, from the very foundation of, of all these things. You, you wonder if, I mean, has anybody watched anything lately and been like, what world are we living in? It's a seduction, friends, but you are his portion. And so together we have the mission to share the gospel, love those around us, walk with your head held high as the one who has authority over every demonic realm, wherever you walk, use it, walk in it, and celebrate that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But keep moving, keep raising your kids in the ways of godliness. You draw the line according to scripture, not according to culture. You draw the line according to God's creative makeup and who we are in our bodies and our people according to scripture, not culture. That's what we do. And by doing that, we are 
preserving what God told us to do is go and proclamate my, my ways, proclamate my truth. And so that's what we do. So that is our understanding as we leave here today. We are stepping into a spiritual world. But it's a spiritual world, <clears throat> excuse me, that you have authority over. And you are on a mission. You're not just here to just do your thing. We're on a mission together as the body of Christ to break the chokehold of the devil. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you for your purposes. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your strategic heart to minister to us. And your strategy from the beginning of creation to restore us, to send your son. Thank you for sending Jesus. And so today, God, we make a commitment that we aren't going to be distracted by a lesser purpose in the body of Christ as a believer. Lord, today, I want to be all in on your purpose, on why you called Abraham, of why you set up aside your portion. And I want to be a part of dismantling the works of the devil wherever I go. If that's you today, just lift your hands to the Lord. If you want God to use you to, to dismantle the works of the devil, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray today as the authority you gave to the 72 that you would give to every person who has raised their hand right here today. That you would give them the authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons. That you give them the authority to speak truth. And that God, that you would protect them and keep them as sheep among wolves. But today, we leave understanding we have a purpose. So God, anoint your people to go in power. In Jesus' name. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you recognize you do not know Jesus, you recognize that you are under the power of a demonic realm and you haven't Allow Jesus to receive you into his family as his portion. And if you want that today, if you want to be delivered from that chokehold and you want to step into the relationship with Jesus, every, ha every head is bowed and eyes are closed. But if that's you today and you want to give your life to him, just raise your hand right where you are. Right where you are. God bless you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Amen. Amen. You put your hands down. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Father, I pray that you would see each hand, and I know you have, but there were those here who didn't raise their hand. And so, Lord, the words they're about to pray, I ask you that you would resonate it deeply in their hearts. If you raise your hand today, pray this with all of your heart, and we're going to all pray it together. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And I thank you for delivering me from the stronghold of the devil. I belong to you now. Use me how you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand today?
If you gave your life to Jesus today or you want any information about us as a church, there's a QR code right on the back of the seat. You can scan that. We'd love to serve you however we can. If we can, let's stand to our feet. It's been a great Sunday. It's a great day. And I just would be honored to pray over you. And at the end of service, our prayer team is gonna be here. We'd be honored to pray with you, whatever it is that you need. We, we wanna serve you the best we can. So if you can, lift your hands to the Lord. If you wanna receive just a blessing for the Lord. Father, bless your people in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you that you would minister to them, that you would remind them of their call, remind them that you have set them apart and made them holy. Remind them today that God, these are your people. As they leave today, may they know I am your people and you are my God and I will live my life for you. Now God, anoint them and strengthen them, give them favor, open up doors that only you can open. God, I ask you that you would move in their family in the name of Jesus to rescue every prodigal, every lost individual in their life would come to you because of who they know they are. They are the chokehold breaker of the demonic realm of the people around them. And may they leave here today in power. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God bless Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. 